This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a platform that brings the Nordic tech community together. My name is Sean Hughes. I connect businesses with freelance tech solutions, and I'm your host. Welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today, I'm joined by David DeLeon, Anna Soderbaum, Fabian Segelstrom, and Monica Osling-Humland to discuss how to operate an effective work-life balance. Before we delve deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. David, do you want to kick us off? Sure. So my name is David DeLeon. Picture a middle-aged man with a well-groomed grey beard and a rumpled jacket or something like that. I am a design director at InUse, which is a large Swedish research and UX design agency. I have about a decade's uh, experience of consulting and about a decade uh, doing research and design in the mobile phone industry. Thank you very much. Anna, do you want to go next? Yeah, I didn't uh, think of how to picture me. I don't have a great beard. I don't have any beard at all, actually. But um, so I'm Anna. I work at a Swedish company called Kri, and it's uh, a healthcare tech company. And my background is actually in localization, but um, it's uh, now I'm focusing on UX writing. So that's uh, what I'm doing at the moment. I'm heading up a UX writing team of about eleven people. Thank you. Monica, we'll go to you next. Yes, hi, I'm Monica. Um, I've been in the industry for about 25 years now. I've been, um, I worked at the client side, in-house, freelance, and for the last eight years as a consultant. So uh, right now I'm head of design at the digital agency Freud Interactive. And I'm a team lead of uh, uh, Team O12, designers, web analytics, business designers, and strategists. Fantastic. And last but not least, uh, Fabian, do you want to tell me a bit, a bit more about yourself? Sure, I do. Uh, so my name is Fabian with a more Swedish pronunciation um, and I'm currently the head of a group called Design and Digital Concept Development at Lamsäkinge, which is a Swedish mutual insurance, bank and uh, pension fund uh, company. So we work over a variety of fields there. And background-wise, um, I've been at Landsecken for five years. I've been the head for roughly half a year. And before I was UX director, before I was a consultant, I also have a background as an academic uh, within uh, service design. And that's basically the short version of me. And my beard is red, by the way. If anyone wants to know what my beard like looks like, it's not as good as these two gents. Um, so I've got plenty of years to... to to grow that out though. Uh, now that we've established the context to each of you, let's move on to the topic in focus today. So you've all come to this podcast recording session with a question or statement on the topic of how to operate an effective work-life balance. As usual, I'll work around the room asking each of you to pose your question and I will also ask the reasons behind it just for a little bit of context. Each of you will then have the opportunity to give your take on the situation. So let's start with Fabian. Um, who asks today, we are all individuals and part of that is that what a good work-life balance means and looks like is different. How do you go about creating an environment where everyone can find the balance that is right for them without creating stress for others? Take it away, Fabian. Yeah, so basically the reason I thought of that and was the first question, question which popped into my head was that, and now just looking at my group, I have some fairly young people 
when they grew up um, not having a family yet and they're working nine to five is much more important, whereas I have others in my group who have family life and they need to pick up kids and so on. So they usually tend to work in the evenings and uh, they work most of the day, maybe seven hours, and then they catch up the last hour at the end of the day, which is quite usual in everywhere in Sweden. And what I noticed several times is that for young people who are just getting into the business, that the older people work in the evening can be a stress factor and being able to realize that, oh, just because I get an email at 10 o'clock in the evening, that doesn't mean I have to respond to that. So that can often create an imbalance within the group that some people work too much to catch up for something they shouldn't be try to catch up. So that's the basis of my question. Thanks for giving us a bit of context there. So we'll work around the room before coming back to you for your sort of final say. So I'm going to pick on people. Uh, Anna, what are your thoughts on, on, on Fabian's question and the context that he's given behind it? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if I look at it, uh, if we take like the more specific thing that you were talking about, like work hours and stuff like that, as a manager, I often talk about these kind of things on the onboarding already. Uh, this the, these are the hours that we work, but it's flexible. So don't you can choose like if you want to work early, you want to work late or you want to kind of have a long lunch. That's also fine. So basically just talking about these things so they know that from scratch. Um, I also think that if I do work late and I write to someone, I also say that I don't expect an answer at that time. Though I do try very much to one not work late and to not message people when I do work late. Um, I also think like picking up on things like if someone is working too much or working while they're in a meeting, uh, kind of uh, mentioning to them that they don't have to do that or just like, you know, seeing things and talking about it so that it's uh, they know that it's it's maybe I don't expect them to do these things. And then I also talk a lot about work-life balance. That's why I think it was so interesting to come on this podcast because we talk a lot about this in the team as well. Um, like what's work? How do you get time to focus? You might need to work less to get more things done. Um, for myself, for example, I sometimes go for podcast walks and I consider that to be work. And also like having those conversations with the team and like kind of setting the scene, I think, <clears throat> for them too, to be able to make these choices for themselves and realizing, okay, it's not just about ticking off the to-do list. Uh, it's also about uh, uh, managing your work life and also sending the message that works only work. Your real life is outside. I think that's also important to have those conversations. I think that's a really, it's a really good point uh, around um, I know in our team at least <clears throat> we have we have a rule you are literally not allowed to work in a meeting we still we sit in an office together and still use teams just so that we can have the ability to share screens etc and, um, and use some of the media that teams provides a little plug for microsoft there um and we have a a golden rule if we, we almost angle the keyboard or the screen down a little bit so we can see where hands are um, and hands have to be in sight so that you, you're not on your phone or <laughs> David for the recording is showing his hands so that he's not working. Um, so yeah, we operate that and I think that's a good way of doing it. I, I really like the idea of the podcast walks as well and getting 
the, the notion that getting yourself into the frame of mind and, and channeling working um in sort of getting some some free time for yourself in in so much as headspace wise um yeah. would classes work too i really like that monica i'm going to come to you next what are your thoughts yeah, I really recognize the situation and especially during the pandemic um, that has allowed us for more flexible work hours and also how that is regarded as a really upside for people with small kids and, and the parents can help each other and so on. So I think um, um, me as a manager, I really want to allow that kind of flexibility. But at the same same time, I agree, I agree with you and that is so important to talk about this. How do we work together and uh, maybe set some kind of guidelines for how to do that and uh, as a manager I am myself try not to um, to reach out to people outside of office hours um, and uh, instead maybe I write to them early in the morning because it's, it's difficult when your days are really jammed with meetings um, but also I think it's important to um, in the team talk about how to address these questions and also to uh, as a person, uh, take charge of your own well-being and um, make sure that you don't have the notifications on, for example, when you're not working. So that you also, um, it goes both ways to allow people to work late night, but uh, also to to make sure that you, uh, you yourself are in a situation that you're comfortable with and uh, work when you're working and being uh, off when you're off. David, you've had the, the benefit here of uh, listening to everyone else's, so you could just concur with everyone else, um, I suppose. What are your thoughts? I'm going to concur and I'm going to, going to add something. I really like what you're saying. I totally agree that it, uh, opening up a discussion about work is the key thing. And I like what Anna was saying that uh, let's not focus on hours. Let's focus on what how you can work and what work is. So what I would add is that we can possibly facilitate ways uh, in which people can learn about what it means to work and what works for them, because I don't think everyone knows. And paired with that, I would I would encourage some experimentation. Like, why don't you try this week to do it this way? Just see how that works, because otherwise it's just a lot of talk, a lot of post-its. We need to uh, be designers, do things, see how that works. And one final thing, I do think it's the responsibility of more senior people to take responsibility and not to post things late at night. You, there are lots of software solutions where you can schedule uh, your email. Uh, that's what I would expect from management and senior colleagues. It's a great point. We'll, we'll throw it straight back to Fabian um, to give his final thoughts on, on the learned experiences and opinions that we have here in the room. What do you think? I think there are really valid points and really good comments. Uh, but also, the what is wrong with you? I, I tend for myself to notice that I know some people find it easier if they can just answer a quick chat message in the evening and some others are stressful. So not to try to talk about that as a panacea, but rather talking to my, my group and uh, the people I work with that you need to find what's right for you. Some people don't mind me having a chat. I, I'm one of those. I don't mind answering a chat message when I'm in the coach watching the telly or something because that doesn't bring stress for me. Others I know I shouldn't even answer them. I should wait to tomorrow. So I actually adapt how I react to who am I talking to in my group. Um, so that would be my, my addition to the wise comments of the others. It's great. It's a, it's a great opening to, to the to the episode. And Monica, we'll we'll come to you next for your question. 
um, I think it ties in quite nicely. So you wanted to ask, working from home could potentially mean increase, increased flexibility and freedom. That flexibility could benefit both the employer and the employee, bringing more efficient ways to work and more and better quality of both life and work. Instead of rushing back to the workplace reality of just a year ago, how do we harvest the advantages of returning to work in a hybrid mode in the post-pandemic world? I think it's a great question. Um, I'd love some context behind it. I think you provided some. Um, let's go into that a little bit deeper and then we'll uh, we'll head to Fabian first to give his thoughts on this. Yeah. yeah, well, I've been thinking about this topic in regards of the pandemic and returning to the office because uh, now we have been working in one mode and I, I think it's remarkable how fast we could change our habits and work methods uh, to adapt to this new situation. And now when we get back to the office, uh, how can we still uh, harvest the, the upsides of this flexibility and not just go back to how we used to work before the pandemic? Fabian, what, what are your thoughts? Um, so I think it depends very much on your situation because we have a quite a different situation at the company where I'm at uh, since we had a planned rebuild of our office prior to COVID and then they uh, scaled it up. So currently we don't even have spots for everybody to, to go back to office. So we're still mainly remote and the way the scheduling for the rebuild is, it, I'm guessing we will remain remote until next summer. So usually around a third or two fifths of the workforce can be at the office per day, which means we, we continue to be remote first and then Within the team, we discussed quite a lot of how do you want to work in this situation? How do you find hybrid? And actually, well, I noticed in my group and one of the clear opinion was we don't want hybrid. That was actually the answer in my group. They want e either everybody's at home these days or we have designated office days. So, so that's the main um, suggestion from the people working in my group. Like one or two, depending on the individual, some might even want three uh, mandatory office days and then the rest from home. So depending on if you need to meet people in person, you schedule your meetings for those days or if they can be remote, you try to schedule the meetings for other days. So that's the way we handle it. So we, you asked about hybrid and our answer is avoid hybrid. We have something very, very similar in our office, well, in our team, at least in the Nordics team, we have three days in the office, um, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, Friday, we have the option. Um, I think it really depends on the team that you work with, doesn't it? Um, a lot of people work with developers that might be offsite anyway, <clears throat> so that might not be as applicable. Uh, David, what are your thoughts? This is very topical uh, and I think the risk is that we lean too heavily on what we've just experienced, which is that pandemic. And I think if we were just to kind of take a step back and think about how would we design work if we weren't quite faced with the question of does it have to be in the office or online, then I think we will come up with pretty good answers. And I think this is, you know, there are plenty of companies who've had more um, varied, flexible and creative ways of working uh, in the past. And I, I would like to go back and look at some of that as opposed to thinking about what was it like working in teams because we were such novices and the tools that we used were pretty rubbish so that that would be my thought to go back and just see 
how do different professions work uh, and have worked in the past and design that way. And it was lovely to hear Fab Fabian's um, surprising result. I really enjoyed that. I think it's interesting in my role as whilst I am a content creator for the Evolution Exchange, I'm also a broker, as, as you all know. Um, and it's really interesting from my point of view in the pool of talent that you open up by by having a hybrid or, or remote option um, because someone could be 60 kilometers away and not want to commute to the office. And I think you just, you, you, I always say that you, you make your net a bit bigger when you're, um, when you're casting it because I've always kind of, well, I think the pandemic has highlighted to me that businesses, companies have been so limited to the talent that's in their vicinity really, or having to move heaven and earth to relocate someone. So I think it's really, really interesting that you could go and get a product manager from Paris who's excellent, who's a great price that you might not have done two years ago because they were in Paris. And I think that's really interesting that that's um, opening up the talent in the world for, for different uh, regions for sure. Uh, Anna, what are your thoughts? Um, you stole my points. I think that's one of the <laughs> that I really, uh, as a manager now, I'm recruiting a lot, um, and that's something that I really like. But it's opened up to a lot more people that can come and work for us. So we're not tied to like you have to be in the city working in this office. And I was also I'm really curious to hear more about uh, Fabian's point of why there's no there shouldn't be a hybrid. I think it's uh, good i think it opens up for you know people to be able to choose what they actually enjoy some people um, used to be in the office but now realize oh I, actually i get so much more done i feel so much better working from home me personally i don't like working from home all the time but i can choose going into the office a few days and staying home a few days and uh, depending on what i uh, what i enjoy and you know the, the kind of day i have um I also think I've noticed from before the pandemic, we had most people in the Stockholm office and then we had some people in other markets. So they used to join the meetings remotely and the rest of us were kind of in a meeting room in, in Stockholm. I think this has also allowed us to kind of uh, become more equal. You know, you realize, okay, this is the situation. This is what it's like to be on the other side. You know, okay, we need to think about how to make the situation equal for everybody. So. There are some uh, some different ideas on, on guidelines for how to have meetings these days uh, to be inclusive with everyone. Um, yeah, I think those are the, the points that I'm thinking of. I think it's good. And I don't know why people... Uh, I also think that one more thing, like it also makes us uh, think about what are the reasons, for example, why should you come into the office or why should we meet physically? And you have to think about the purpose of those meetings, not just because it's like a something that we're used to. And I think that's also valuable, actually, a good outcome of this. Well, let's go back to, to Fabian and, and find out um, whether there are any further reasoning for, for the sort of, well, for the team wanting to have a hybrid, but a hybrid that's agreed with everyone. So Fabian, yeah. what, what are your thoughts? So actually the main argument which came from my team when we had the discussion is they think that the hybrid meetings work not as good as purely distance or purely in the same spot. 
the, the kind of details, oh, let's go for a coffee break. And that's, some people is, is continue to discuss, whereas others are in the room. And that's what we've been facing now, get, getting back to the office, that those who aren't in the room are further away. So, And that's the challenge they want to try to avoid, especially the more creative you become. If everybody's remote, that works fine. If everybody's in place, that works fine. So the hybrid model they prefer is, like I said, either you have to know how is it planned the meeting and then you can decide based on that. Anna, let's go straight back to you. <laughs> Sorry, I just had to come on that. So then my question would be, okay, so is the solution to go back to what we know or is there a solution to find something else, a solution to the new world um, instead of just like we can't Maybe we shouldn't keep having that conversation when the rest of the people aren't there, or I don't know what it could be, or some some of the kind of solutions, some gu guidelines for that. That's all my comment. Fabian, that's a good question. Uh, and actually, what I need to stress is what I'm referring to is what the team wanted to. I'm not as convinced as the team that the hybrid meetings might be bad. So that that's uh, one of the points because uh, the we only been back in the office for like three or four weeks, but the hybrid meetings, most of them work fine. Uh, but it's like, you know, you have all tech, they, have, they, they are rebuilding it. So everybody won't be in the camera and how, how you handle those kind of situations. So that's the minor details. If we would go all hybrid, we would work them out. But people tend to see how is it today? And then they don't want to have the hybrid meeting for those reasons. Anything to add, Anna? No, we're good now. I think the, the tennis game is over now, or the ping pong game. <laughs> no, no, I, can't I was be... thinking, this is like when we work with our clients, they come with a solution. A solution is not always that interesting, but the underlying problem is. So I think your team has put their finger on the problem, but maybe like Anna is saying, there is room for other solutions. Monica, what are your final thoughts before we move on? Yeah, great input, everyone. Very exciting. Um, but at Fred, we allow full flexibility. So, and we actually now allow that people can work from wherever they want. Uh, we have one project manager that has actually moved to another city, and that works fine. So, for us, it's not a question if hybrid, but because, of course, uh, hybrid is hard. Um, for me, it's like this is the new learning curve. Uh, how do we work with hybrid in a good way? How do we have meetings that works um, both on uh, site and uh, digital? So um, it's just um, something to explore together. That was a really good conversation there. Particularly enjoyed uh, Rafa Nadal and Roger Federer um, playing a little rally there. Um, thoroughly enjoyed that. Um, Roger slash Anna, we'll come to you uh, for your question. You wanted to ask. Uh, what do you think is your responsibility when it comes to work-life balance for your team and direct reports? How do you work with this? So um, tell us more. Yeah, um, so I have, uh, as a manager, I have an urge to kind of get in there and help and steer when things are very stressful for my direct reports. So like emotionally, I take on responsibility, thinking I need to fix this, um, though the reality is that like, I can't always fix it. It's not always up to me. Um, 
and I did actually like one time I did I remember there was a direct report that was very very stressed so I did go in and like steer once um, thinking that's what you need when you're stressed like you need someone to come in and like take some action that you can't see or do for yourself and I know that that's what some other people might like and perhaps something that I would like uh, in this case that wasn't appreciated and what I learned from that was that uh, it's um, you know I have to always keep remembering that people are different and um, listen to what they need and what they enjoy like what gives them energy what takes energy from them and to ask these questions also when they're not stressed and to have time to think about it so uh, i think that's uh, you know that's always like a question okay how much do i need to get involved to, to make sure that they um uh, that they manage stress levels and workload and like work-life balance and i think if i'm gonna answer to some extent my own question as well i think it's also about setting the scene like I, maybe you mentioned that like talking about it and uh, also leading by example i try to do that a lot which is why i'm cancelling a lot of meetings next week feels good that's the kind of background thank you david what are your thoughts on on anna's question have, have you got any answers i may have i mean i like what you were saying is uh you need to talk about what might the underlying reasons be. Uh, and I thought about this question uh, prior to this podcast. And there are many ways why, why there might be a bad work-life balance. It could be too much work. It could be things at home. But it can also be lack of relevant skill or unclear or uh, expectations. It can be someone being too ambitious or taking on too much responsibility or uh, being fearful. There are all of these things. So. I think you can still you can have you need to have that conversation and be quite open and see what are the underlying reasons for someone being overly stressed. And then I think advice or help is in place because when we are stressed, we don't think well, we don't act well, and it can be really helpful. I've seen this uh, with some colleagues and they were being too ambitious and wanting, want, wanting to uh, um, contribute. And I had to really tell them, no, you've gone over the you've gone over the uh, the line. You've crossed the line. It's too far. And then you have to tell them to stop. So I, I do think we can be directive, but we'll obviously have to listen first. Monica, what are your thoughts? Well, for me as a team lead, um, this is one of my top priorities to always listen in how everyone is doing. So and um, during the pandemic, we used to check in every morning uh, with everyone, and then also in the afternoon, we checked out and telling each other about our our day had been. And now we um, we check in every morning, um, and the first question we ask is, "How are you?" So uh, that I at least can have uh, some sense of uh, how they're doing, and if I need to act on uh, anything, I think it's a really um, interesting aspect. Of course, that it's very personal how you can support someone but I really feel that it's my responsibility to to keep track of my team and their workload and really try to manage um, that in the best way possible that I that I can yeah. so um, and now we also we check out after each week so we get a kind of a team summary of how the week has been and I also try to act if I if I hear that someone is overworked or stressed so 
I think those are very important tools for me as a team lead to keep track of their well-being. I'd agree. Fabian, what are your thoughts on this question? I think Anna summarized it fairly well um, in the beginning, but knowing there's not one answer which suits everybody, really thinking about who you're talking to and what are their trigger points and try to help them in, in the, that way and make things explicit, just like you said, I think that's important. What, what I would add is, if possible, I try to use examples, either other people, people I've seen my own experiences, talk about them being open, dare to be vulnerable, uh, and also at sometimes ask other people, of course, I'm noticing this person is maybe a bit stressed. Talk about stress openly so you actually know it. Um, so I had actually my first day as the head of design uh, at 8.30 in the morning. I had a colleague calling and saying, hey, I realized over the weekend I'm not feeling too good. And uh, so that was my first uh, thing, uh, stepping up as the head of design. And we, we talked quite a lot and kind of pulled her out of work for a while. And I knew she needed to hear other people. So I told people who were closely, just tell it, tell your own stories. And now when she's back on leg, we managed to avoid being, getting home. She was resting for a week and then was took a while, but she, she was fine. And she has referred to that often afterwards. It was so good that other people told their stories of similar events. So actually using those, letting people be their own examples and creating a, a culture of vulnerability within the company, I think it's really important. David, you wanted to add something? Yeah, I, I like what you're saying, uh, Fabian, that you have to make it okay to talk about these things and make it normal to talk about these things. Because I was thinking, and I, when I raised my hand, I was thinking, if you just ask people how they are, they will say things like, oh, I'm okay. It doesn't mean very much. So I've started to ask a question which I found kind of embarrassing because it seemed so banal and like I got it out of a book. I started asking, on a scale of one to ten, how are things? And the big surprise for me was that people would say, you know, they might have said that they were okay, and then they say, well, it's probably a four. And then I could ask, what makes it a four and what would bring it up to a five? And having this slightly banal but very concrete framework made it really easy to talk about why they were felt what they felt and what would make things better. Thanks, David. We'll head back to Anna for her, for her third, God, easy for me to say. Um, we'll head back to Anna for her final thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, all of these things I'm, I'm thinking about as well. I think especially vulnerability. I love vulnerability um, and try. I think it's really important. And I think that's also a part of the manager's uh, role to kind of create that safe space or trying as much as you can to create psychological safety and um yeah for people be able to be able to talk about things and i think uh for myself and in, in my team i think people do talk it's it's probably like the the actions that you perform as a manager like okay what do i do with this and like what is my my responsibility towards like um versus the responsibility of the individual like and there's no easy answer to that i think it's just uh, interesting to hear uh, other people's view on that as well like how you tackle this thanks 
Perfect. Last but by no means least on today's episode, we've got David's question. Um, David, you wanted to ask a really difficult part of the work-life balance is not mainly practical, but mental. After finishing work for the day, work thoughts and work stress keep coming for some people, even in the middle of the night, which you highlighted as something that you struggle with yourself. Um, Mm -hmm. So you wanted to ask the room what are uh, their best tips for making free time feel truly and fully free. Um, tell me more about these middle of the night thoughts. I'm intrigued. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I just find this is a very personal question and I thought I would get some use out of this podcast and come on and get your views on this. That uh, it's so easy just to focus on hours, like how many hours do I work? But I find that work has a tendency to spread <laughs> And I do enjoy thinking about work-related tasks and writing stuff, but I do feel it takes too much uh, space. Uh, So my question is, so my question was, how how do you get out of those thoughts? How do you get your mind to to switch gears and stop jabbering? Fabian, can you stop jabbering? And if so, how do you do it? So I always get to go first when I had a kind of opposite answer. It's like you planned it. I'm actually one of those lucky ones who are really good at just dropping everything when uh, I quit work. So, yeah, I am too. I'm so, very good at that. Almost too yeah. good. <laughs> but usually, but how? <laughs> Simple-minded? I don't know. Uh, but usually when I stop working, I'm out of work mode. So for me, that's actually one of the earliest I'm working too much uh, indicators when I think about work outside work, because that only happens when I work too much. So maybe you're working too much, David, and should take a rest. That might might be the factor. So I found it this by far the most difficult question, because my question is happy-go-lucky. Nah, I don't really face that problem. I can't really answer it either. I think if you're if you're able to do it, it's it's a it's a weird talent. I think to just be able to switch off. Um, one of my main things is that I was brought up to not talk about work at the table um, with my parents. Um, they never would either. Um, so I think I've sort of got that innate sort of ability to just leave it where it is. Um, quite often, I'll get home and. I'll, well, I'll, I'll be on my commute home with some music on or a podcast on. I very much value, I've got my car to thank for it, really. I think that's my switch off time. Um, no one else with me, be alone with my own thoughts. Uh, I can stick something on that's going to sort of occupy me while I drive. Uh, as soon as I'm home, I'm ready to to stick the cooker on, really, and have a glass of wine. Um Maybe I'm busy in the evenings as well. Perhaps there's that. There's going to the gym. There's being obsessed with the football and watching anything and everything to do with it. Um, or obsessed with what we're watching at the minute on Netflix. Redoing Peaky Blinders. Maybe that helps as well. Um, Anna, what are your thoughts on this? I'm thinking I really like Peaky Blinders. Uh, also, I'm very jealous of Fabian and you for not thinking about work outside work. Um so yeah i'm uh, more like more like you david i think about work a lot and i have noticed also that it's um i didn't used to i think it depends on the role like i think 
uh, I feel a much bigger sense of responsibility, probably like uh, having, you know, being responsible for a team. And that's kind of like more the a different kind of stress. It's not the to-do list that needs to be ticked off. It's more of the kind of, I think, a lot of emotional stress, more like, oh, I should, uh, you know, how do I make things better or whatever it could be, you know. Um, I could go on for a long time talking about this. Uh, I actually had, for me, the pandemic was really hard because then it was, there was no difference. You couldn't do anything at work. Like you couldn't, in your case, go to a football game probably after work. Um, so there was no clear boundaries. So I have been thinking about this a lot. And one of the things that I have been doing is to talk to someone about being present. And practicing being present is really hard to be present sometimes. The, uh, you know, it's connected to also meditation and those kind of things, like really like letting other things go. and finding myself uh, just focusing on what I have pretty much in front of me and kind of collecting myself uh, in my mind through my body, um, which works when I do it, but I don't always do it. But uh, one of the things I did when during the pandemic is that I uh, took every, like two Fridays off a month. So I went from 100% to working 90%, which isn't a massive difference, but it gave me more free time to kind of uh, focus on something else. So I decided this is my day to focus on whatever it could be. Like uh, one of the common hobbies during the pandemic, gardening, something outside, something very like uh, physical that you could do with your hands that kind of, you know, I'm going to use the phrase that my boyfriend often says, something that makes you forget to eat and poop. Like something to really like, no, I'm just doing this and not thinking about anything else. I think that's a really good, uh, good way of thinking about it, actually. And that's uh, helped me as well. Like, I'm going to focus on this now. So if it's I'm not outside in the garden, I'm like reading about gardening or like watching a YouTube video on this to just focus on something that I'm going to learn about or, you know, something that's completely different. That was maybe a very long answer and I'm not sure I got something out of it but uh we got a fantastic colloquialism for sure one that i think we'll all carry forward with 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 ourselves um <laughs> i think what you touched upon there is is the notion for me really was staying occupied and it's really hard to stay occupied all the time isn't it um, how do you relax if you're always occupied it's funny you mentioned the pandemic as well and working from home i i used two screens so i don't have a, a, an office at home i i work in my kitchen um, at my kitchen table and I got to a point where I was um, setting up and taking down my whole setup every morning and evening just to separate once that's away once it's off that is now my living space again um, and I mean that's a very simple thing but once it was away and in a cupboard I could no longer see it um, and it, it made me feel like I was back in um, my kitchen um the place where i do most things um really uh, anna you've got something to add yeah i also thought that one thing i also do is that um i use so i say the things that i want to hear to my team i use them as you know like when I talk a lot about work-life balance and things like this, I, I say the things to them that I want someone to say to me to kind of create this culture of things are okay. If you, 
uh, like saying like you know things like work is not everything that's not your whole life there's your real life is outside work or things like that when we have those conversations it's not only for them it's also for me to just like talk about these things and kind of uh, yeah it's it's therapeutic as well absolutely monica what are your thoughts well this is something that i struggle with also and um so i've thought a lot about it and um during the pandemic it was of course extra challenging uh, to have this switch between private and work mode and the one thing that i did was uh, i actually got up in the morning and uh, got dressed for work with uh, work clothes and then in the evening i switched to my private clothes just to make this switch more apparent and also tucked away my computer so i couldn't see it and um, you shouldn't be tempted to open it uh, at night um, but then uh, i also wake up at night sometimes and what i do is that i i read a physical book that helps me relax or a newspaper or preferably something really boring that <laughs> makes me tired or want to go to sleep yeah. Uh, or um, other times I've actually gotten up really early to do yoga, uh, like restorative yoga to start the day instead of just um, staying in, in bed awake. But um, otherwise I try to occupy my mind with other stuff other than work. So I like to read a lot, always keeping at least two books in the loop, listening to podcasts or just uh, clearing my mind of uh, work thoughts. And I think um, for me, exercise is really good, uh, like yoga and also meditation. I learned that um, in school and uh, that's something that I really use as a tool when I need uh, more focus or just to um, to let go of thoughts or work. It's a really good way to, to break uh, that line of thought that's uh, so easily just uh, uh, occupying your mind. So that is something that I really can recommend. Let's throw it back to David then for the final word. What do you think? Has anything helped you? Anything to stop you jabbering? Probably not. I'm a good reminders of things. Um, obviously I should binge Peaky Blinders until I forget to eat and poop. Uh, that seems to be uh, a good recommendation. Um, I, and I also like the, rec uh, the reminder from Monica to get up. I, I've done that a few times when I've not been able to sleep and I've woken up really early is that I've got up instead and then read or written, which I really enjoy doing. So it's suddenly something that was bad became a bit of a luxury. I got these extra hours. Um, and I will also add one thing that I've started to learn, which might be useful and no one mentioned, and, and that's building a bigger confidence in my future self. So what I mean by this is that instead of feeling like I have to over-prepare things like this podcast or a presentation or a workshop, just feel confident that when I come to the workshop, my improvisational ability and my experience and my ability to listen to people and answer their questions, that's going to be there in the future. I don't have to prepare everything tonight because I think I tend to over-prepare things. So that's one thing that I'm, uh, I'm being reminded of. And actually one of my colleagues caught me over-preparing and just said, shouldn't you do something else now? And he was right, and I did, and things went well. Think, yeah, we're all learning. <laughs> I think you certainly can over-prepare. Um, I have a document for everything that helps me to prepare, but I try to spend no longer than 20 minutes 
editing it each time, which really helps me. I use my diary for, for my prep big time um, and stick to it. My diary is my gospel. Um, my, cal- my daily calendar, I stick to it. Otherwise, I get nothing else done because I'm a perfectionist and I'd be there until it's perfect. Um, but we'll leave it there for today. This has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank David, Anna, Monica and Fabian for their insights into the topic and thank you for listening Uh, if you'd like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts please do reach out to me on linkedin or by email at sean.hughes at evolution-nordics.com and we'll see you next time